Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed, and this episode is Cues of the Force. Yes, quizzes of the Force. No, it's questions of the Force. Eventually, we will run out of fake Q words and just admit the Q stands for questions. Always. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. We're not there yet, though. I'm going to quiz myself and give you all the answers. <laughs> I'm 
it is great to be here talking questions. Uh, we've got some great ones from listeners as always. Before we get into that, we want to let you know that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. This week, we are continuing to recommend Padawan by Kirsten White, a young Obi-Wan adventure. We keep recommending it to remind ourselves to read it. You are probably ahead of us, but if you're not and you want to check out this book and listen to it, you can download a free audiobook version today by going to audibletrial.com slash center. One more time, that's audibletrial.com slash center for your free Obi-Wan Kenobi audiobook or any other audiobook. All right, Ken, are you ready for some Star Wars questions? I am. We have some fun ones today. We really do. We have two from Twitter and two from our patrons on Patreon. As always, we go first to Twitter and Philillis Skywalker. Uh, the question is, what if Ray read on Luke's notes that he and Lando buried a couple on Neftali and then connected the dots? Would you like to see Ray finding out more information about her parents? Again, this is not only a great question, but this one also doubles as another audiobook recommendation. <laughs> yes, it does. Uh, if you're uh, if you're like Neftali, what's going on? Uh, we uh, strongly suggest checking out the book uh, Shadow of the Sith. Uh, this is a Luke and Lando adventure. Uh, mild spoilers if you haven't read it. Uh, Luke and Lando interact with, get close to interacting with um, Ray's parents. Their stories become intertwined. Uh, and it's this great bittersweet thing where we know so much more about the connection than the characters do at the time. So we have this wonderful question of, do you think that Ray uh, connected those dots? And do you want to see those stories of finding out what Luke and Lando knew about the last moments and their interactions with Ray's parents? So do you want to see that, Ken? And and if so, how? And, and how do you imagine Ray finding out? Yeah, I, I, short answer. Yeah, I do want to see it. I, I will start here. I say, you know, if this happens during the course of her journey as we know it, it might hold her back a little bit. And I, I'm not here to say I would want to willingly keep that por- important information from her, right? Like mm-hmm. if she wants it, she might be owed it. But the way in which she discovers the information and the way she doesn't have it, I, I think it's important because she needs to go forward. And that's a big thing. And, and that I, I do feel that might, might have um, held her back in some way, uh, you know, knowing Knowing they're dead might free her up for more things, so you can go different directions with it, I suppose. But uh, I think it was really important for her to uh, move forward, and she got that. But uh, I, I do believe the information should come to her. Uh, I would love the idea of her digging in and, and finding out more and ba- being able to, even in this post-Rise of Skywalker world, communicate with Luke a little bit about it mm-hmm. uh, and find out how much he he knew and, and just kind of he can provide her any kind of, of peace after she's already established as who she is i don't think it changes ray skywalker or anything of that um and i don't know if it's a movie plot or a subplot but it seems like a great introspective novel right part of mm. ray building the future one of the things i love about those ek johnston padme novels they're just kind of you, you get to spend time with these characters and there's less bigger plot machinations there's important things going on but you're focusing on what's going on inside their souls and their heads and their hearts so i would like that uh ray learning a little bit more about who she is or who she was however you want to look at it yeah, I really love that too. You know, I'm I would love some more Ray Skywalker storytelling moving forward. You know, there is that whole question of yeah, maybe it would be just uh, better to be patient and wait a few years until uh, the stars align. Uh, there is the, the generation that grew up with the sequel trilogy is really excited about it and, and overpowers the voices of negativity. 
you know, and Daisy Ridley's ready to get back in the saddle. Uh, and I, I understand that I think that there's a little hesitation to do a lot of um, storytelling in books and comics moving forward from Rise of Skywalker because you don't want to cut off what, you know, stories on screen might be told. So I think we're in this sort of like, I kind of want Ray Skywalker stories right now, but I also understand why maybe there's a little uh, being slow about it right now. But I agree with you. I think this would be a wonderful story for a, a book or a comic to kind of flesh out and just spend time with Ray going through that journey, processing her past. Um, and I think uh, to the specific question of, you know, what if Luke wrote it down in his notes, right? Um, I kind of have this headcanon that, that from what we see in Rise of Skywalker, that Luke's notes are, you know, much more about the sort of esoteric Jedi Sith artifacts. And mm-hmm. Ray knows that he was on a mission and knows what he's on a mission. But I feel like it's less a personal diary and more like a bullet point of like Jedi stuff to learn and do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, and this kind of bullet yeah. point of like, we were after this Wayfinder. It does feel important. I did feel the shadow of the Sith, you know. Yeah. Uh, but even if if those sort of like, details aren't in any of those uh books that uh ray is uh reading mm. i kind of like this idea that maybe in in luke's jotted notes from this this adventure uh there are some hints of things that unlock memories that ray is repressing because yeah, it's yeah. something i really appreciate about the about rise of skywalker that ray does remember more than she is telling and it it's starting to eat at her the confusion and the the pain of those memories and and kylo is poking at them uh so much until they come to light and it's a fun additional thought of like is there something in luke's notes that you know it echoes out and is haunting her a little bit and maybe that's uh, you know one of the reasons that a little bit of tension is building in her yeah and 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 how that could possibly lead to some sort of healing going back to that trauma and 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 and, and, because she's old enough in those Adventures, I would say, in Shadow of the Sith where, yeah, she could maybe have more, you know, solid memories. And there's probably a lot of good things buried in there, too. And that could be part of it, uh, digging through the pain to find what's there and what is good and what 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 is you? What 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 makes you, uh, you know, who you are as well from, from your parents? You can't deny that. And, and, and so she might learn some some powerful stuff. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I feel like that would just really complement the journey that she goes on in Rise of Skywalker, you know, mm-hmm. Um I also feel like there's, to me, this story with Luke that once he became one with the Force, he probably saw and understood, you know, a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. uh, but in particular, kind of w- would be able to put together all of the pieces of Ray's past. Um, mm-hmm. You know, obviously he's aware that she is a Palpatine. Um, so that cast Luke in this really interesting role to me, where uh, much like his mentor, Obi-Wan, He's kind of waiting for cues from Ray of the right time and place to discuss things with Ray, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the the way that Rise of Skywalker conversation is structured, right? He doesn't he doesn't pop out, <laughs> catch a lightsaber, and go. I have a list of things to tell you. Yeah, yeah. He asks her questions, right? He says, "It was fear that kept me on this island." You know, what are you most afraid of? And then she says, "Myself." So she opens the door for the direction the conversation is going to go, right? Yeah. If she said, my greatest fear is that my parents didn't love me, maybe he'd be like, they did. Let me tell you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's an excellent point too. her driving the needs and her connecting honestly with what is uh, what the cracks are in her. Her soul might be a pretty important part of that there, too. And, and, and I think I think the reason I think I 
do want her to find this information is kind of what you just said. It, it was good. It was positive uh, beneath the tragedy. Uh, and that's life. And and if she can connect to that, and especially if she's move, moving forward and building maybe a new Jedi Order or trying to find other people out there, just trying to continue to discover who she is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so I, I feel like, you know, Luke would definitely have this conversation with her when the time is right, you know, um, when, when, when she is sort of asking him, for the information. Lando is the one who may, might be like, they might just be, uh, you know, shooting the breeze and suddenly like, hey, wait, you know. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, we're, we're great Luke thoughts here, but that would be Lando and Ray having interactions would be a very fun conversation, especially if he was like, you know, I've been spending all this time with Jana, discovering, helping her discover who she is, going around the galaxy trying to reunite folks. Hey, I have some information for you. Yeah, Landis is going around asking everybody at the resistance camp, like, so where are you from? (laughs) (laughs) Jakku, wait, wait. Uh, I'm not sure uh, what you think about this, so I'm curious. I also kind of have the headcanon at the end of Rise of Skywalker. We see the wonderful scene of Rey uh, going to the Lars homestead, uh, bearing the sabers, igniting her own. I have this headcanon that that's part of a larger pilgrimage in that, Mm we're seeing this vital part to wrap up the story uh, of the Skywalker saga and the story of Ray and the story of the sequel trilogy. But in my mind, she doesn't just hop on the Falcon with BB eight and go, I got one, I got one stop. Mm -hmm. I like this idea that she goes on a larger pilgrimage and maybe even uh, trying to find her parents' gravesite is even, you know, a, a part of that. How do you feel about that, about the possibility that we're only seeing a part of this pilgrimage? I 100% agree with you. I think uh, if I'm pitching a novel, this is what it would be. Uh, This is part of what we're talking about. I I think there's a lot of places to go. Things uh, she is trying to learn uh, about the galaxy, stuff she's trying to learn about herself. I even see possibly, I know she wanted to leave there and it was part of her journey, but going to Jakku and reconciling with some of the stuff there. I don't know, maybe even hanging out with Unkar Plot and have a drink. I don't know. Whatever she wants to do, whatever she feels she needs is part of her journey. Um, could be valuable. And I'm, I'm with you. Whether that's the end or whether that launches the journey. I think personally I'm partial to uh, Tatooine launches the journey, but mm. uh, I, I'm with you on that. Me too, because that's the, the the step of, you know, cl- claiming her name with the uh, with the clear approval mm-hmm. of Luke and Leia is, is really powerful. She's going um, on a live podcast tour. I also like the idea that, and this is a little bit of a joke, but uh, that her first Jedi mission is like, okay, Jedi, they they go around the galaxy writing wrong. Sometimes they're proactive about it, but often they just wait. Um, But that's, that's one of the questions of the new Jedi order. Should we be more proactive? And her first Jedi mission is like, you know, going to Jakku and like on car plot, (laughs) right? Uh, Your business practice is immoral. Like people need to eat. You can't hoard resources. Yeah. Actually, yeah, that's sit, a sit down, uh, uh, come to Jesus or whatever the equivalent is in Star Wars uh, conversation. <laughs> come to Jedi. Yeah. Come to Jedi. Come to Jedi. Uh, great question with lots of fun headcanon. Big answer. Man, yes, we would love to see those dots connected someday, somehow. Uh, we move from a question about Ray to a question from a Ray. Ray Hernandez always sends us uh, great questions. This is another fun one. Ray Hernandez says, you can only choose one as a pet. Porg, Boggling, Tuca slash Lothcat, uh, Volptasis, Quackian Monkey Lizard. Uh, I'm a dog person, but would probably choose the uh, Tuca Lothcat. Extra silly choice, Puffer Pig. Hmm. So this is a challenge to me, Ken, of being realistic. 
which one sounds fun to have a pet is a pet and which one you would actually practically want as a pet. So where do you go with this? Yeah. First of all, let me address the puffer pig in the room. Uh, <laughs> I've been against the puffer pigs. Come, come around them a little bit as, as often as the case with Star Wars fans. Just give it some time. They, I was reading, um, they have that Halcyon um, uh, cruiser uh, comic series mm. that takes place on the Halcyon a cruise line and the Padme Anakin one has them kind of doing some uh, lack of a better term, like a romantic sightseeing kind of trip. And they run into puffer pigs and one puffs up. And so it's just one frame. And I actually smiled like, okay, we can be good with puffer, puffer pigs. I'm, I'm happy they're in the galaxy, but I wouldn't have one as a pet. Uh, the Volptex, the Volptices, uh, that's possible, but I, uh, cause I'm a big dog person, but I worry about the cuddling, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the cuddling it would be turned into uh, with a T, right? The cuddling. Cuddling. Good point. Almost a pun. Play on words. You and I fight against that sometimes. No, I love it. <laughs> um, yeah, because I just think of it, you know, Finn, where, where are those crystal critters? Like, that's what they are. Uh, they're crystal. That's That could be sharp. Uh, but I, I love those creatures. I, 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 I think the answer for me, Joseph, is Porg. It has mm. to be Porg because... Uh, and I've had birds before as pets. They're, they're a little work. They're more work than you think there, but I do love them. They're interesting creatures. Uh, but I think you can communicate with porgs. I think you can mm. hang out with them. I, I think with time and training, you could have a real good buddy, a co-pilot who doesn't fly, but can keep you company. I'm not saying they're going to learn words uh, or as my dad uh, uh, did, he t- uh, taught one of our birds to whistle the Andy Griffith theme. That was great. <laughs> twenty times a day. Um, just the opening cue. So uh, I, I think Porg, man, I, I think Chewy proved this, uh, that uh, you can uh, adjust, grow, and uh, hang out with Porgs. The next time you see Ron Howard in the smokehouse, you got to run up to him and tell him, <laughs> my dad taught a bird. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, man, you you might be changing my mind. This Uh-oh. is so good. Um, I, I was running down which ones I would you know, comedy claim I want on a podcast and then go, mm-hmm. all right, but let's be real. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, I love, uh, uh, the Volp disease. So a part of me was like, yeah, I like dogs. I'd love a Volp text, but the jangling of their crystals would Ooh. drive me bonkers. Um, it's gotten worse as I get older when I'm trying to concentrate on one bit of writing. And then there's just like some noise. It's not even a, it's not even a disruptive noise. It's just, another thing that your mind could go to instead of the word you're trying to remember. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's what a Volp text is. A Volp text to me is a distraction from the ability to complete a thought. <laughs> yes. So that's yeah. a sad no for me. That's a uh, Did you get the script from Joseph? One of the lines says, uh, and then we crystals are jingling. That's just, you just put it weirdly <laughs> in the script. I don't know why. It really is jangle, 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 jangle. Yeah. I'll be, I'd be scrawling on the walls, you know? Yeah. Uh, all jangle and no play makes joseph a dull boy uh, um yeah so i can't do that uh i want to say quacking monkey lizard because they might be one of my favorite creatures mm-hmm. characters uh in star wars uh but they have so much personality so much awareness i don't feel like a quacking monkey lizard is a is a pet i feel like that is uh a roommate <laughs> yeah yeah no it's it's um yeah, no, I got to say, uh, looking at Sally B over the years, uh, I've I've always thought of him as a character, like a fully functional character in Star Wars. Yeah. That might not be 100% accurate. Uh, I understand it. Quacky monkey lizards are a thing. Um, but Sally B, is, he's a character, man. 
Yeah, got a name and everything. Obviously, you know, a uh, Voltex and a Pork can have a name, and they should, and they will when there are pets. But, um, but yeah, and like, there's something, a quacky and monkey lizard, there seems like there is something, you know, obviously we know uh, Slacious B. Crumb's personality. Uh, according to uh, that trailer for Mando, we're going to get to see a whole tree of them, and they all look like they are about to just rain mischievous hell on whoever's looking at them, right? <laughs> Absolutely. So there's something about like, uh, I had this good friend, uh, still friends with him, but in particular in my twenties and we almost became roommates. And he was like one of my, uh, buddies that, that I, I, we had many great conversations, many real conversations, helped each other through things, but also, uh, we called one another when it was, when it was time to go to the bar mm-hmm. <laughs> and be loud and have fun. And we almost became roommates at one point. And, it, and sometimes I think like, Man, I would have got nothing done. It would have just been always fun, always a little chaotic. And when I think of a quack and monkey lizard, I'd be like, that would have been like moving in with that friend when I was 26. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, you, you've had a great chihuahua in your life. I have two in my life now. A quack and monkey lizard is the closest to having a chihuahua that I can think of. <laughs> A lot of personality, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of potential chaos. Yeah. A lot of um, biting and chewing. Yeah. A lot of biting and chewing. You uh, have maybe changed my mind about porks because I was thinking mm-hmm. about all the, the uh, dealing with the pork poo, right? Because I think yeah. porks, it would be hard if they were, they were mm-hmm. in your home to convince them not to just be like, do, 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 do. I'm flying over here and I let it go. That's a gift yeah. of being a bird. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, right. But <laughs> you're convincing me that they could be trained. I really think so, man. I look, I, they, they take over the Falcon in their own way. No doubts about that. But that, we, you and I would say that, that, that poor scream, that cheer, that is, that is a porg in the fight. It knows what's going on. Yep. That, yes, that porg knows that they're in a battle for freedom for sure. I love the roar of the porg there. Um, yeah. So I would at least want to have like a porg that I could put food out on my little balcony and they visit. <laughs> That's good. That's good. But all of this leads me to ultimately uh, agreeing with Ray's choice that I think a, a Tuka cat uh, would be mm. would be my choice. Uh, my wife, Sarah, also loves the Tuka cat. Uh, so I think the, I would love to have a cat in my life. Uh, I think the Tuka cat is the, the definitely the kind of cat that is um, would uh, have their own opinions in their own way and would it would come up and nuzzle when they wanted and otherwise would do their own thing. Yes. Yes. Live independently. Live independently, right? <laughs> uh, any other thoughts on uh, on your choice of pet from the Star Wars galaxy? Uh, this is a great question, Ray. And and uh, look, Porg Nation is still strong. Don't let anyone tell you differently. The, the Porgs are still very beloved in my house and in many parts of the Star Wars fandom. Absolutely. Here's my last, uh, maybe not great thought, uh, but it would be a good a good way to vent. It's not uh, entirely nice, but if one could train a, a porg when to poo and when not to poo, it would be pretty amazing to just like, you know, see somebody being a really rude and bad driver <laughs> and oh. say, Hey, porg friend, go get their car. Go get them. <laughs> <laughs> Strike them down. <laughs> go um, do a little bit of artwork on their car there, porg. That yeah. would be great. That's great. All right. Thank you for the very, very fun question. Uh, We are going to take a quick break and we'll be back with more cues of the force. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. 
Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. And we are back to continue taking some great listener questions, listener topics. We are going to some Star Wars questions from patrons on Patreon. We go first to Justin Jacobson. Justin says, Why do you think Palpatine didn't control both sides of the Empire Rebellion conflict? like he did with the Republic and Separatists in the Clone Wars. It seems like an easy way to keep tabs on who is against him, what they're up to, and what kind of equipment they have 
access to. It worked to put him on the throne. It seems odd he wouldn't keep doing what worked. This is a really fun question because it gets us into uh, the differences between the Clone Wars and the Galactic Civil War. It gets us into the headspace of old Sheev Palpatine. So, Ken, where do you go with this one to begin? Man, this is this is awesome. Justin, you, you've got a... Um a great question, great, great thought starter here. And look, it does seem odd because I, I do think he tried. That's my short answer. We'll get into that here. Uh, Justin, you've pitched a wonderful anti-Andor series uh, <laughs> run uh, alongside the Andor series. Uh, I'll st- I, I, I believe the rebellion represents a break in the chain for Palpatine. Mm-hmm. Um, something he might have maybe anticipated it, but also couldn't stop. Or quite frankly, I, it's something that he thought was so far from the realms of possibility that he couldn't stop it at this point, you know, because unlimited power, he reached that, he achieved that. Uh, he's got so many of his minions, the systems in place to do what it, it needs to do. And we're seeing examples of that. And, or we see it in solo, we see it in Rogue one, seeing so many bad batch, so many areas of storytelling, the, the oppressions in, in, in place and he's high above and he's searching the unknown regions. He's trying to find a way to never die. So maybe that's part of it too. But again, I just think as we saw with Palpatine along the way, especially we always go to you and I go to Padme moments where he's like, well, I didn't, hmm, I didn't account for that. Her spirit took her there, her, her fight, uh, things uh, that he doesn't uh, think would, would get him. And I think that's a starting sp- spot for me, the difference between what was going on before. He orchestrated something to put him in power and now in power, he feels he'll never lose it. Yeah, no, I really, really agree with that. I think a, a couple key things for me is just looking at the Clone Wars. Uh, we've definitely got some great separatist storytelling. I, I think we'll get even more. The way I interpret the bits of storytelling we have is that there was legitimate disagreement mm-hmm. with some of the things that the Republic was doing, uh, partially uh, due to Palpatine and people like him grinding up the gears, uh, you know, giving lots of political power uh, to corporations, uh, making the Republic not work as well as it used to. And so uh, people with different opinions grow. But then Dooku's mission as a Sith Lord is to stir that up. And Mm -hmm. there's that question of without the Sith involvement, would that have become an armed conflict, right? Mm-hmm. Um, would the I mean we, we get the story from the crawl of Attack of the Clones that there are already separatist attacks and that's what's making the Republic think maybe we do need to vote on this army. Padman Vale want to vote against it, but to me the story is that entire conflict can be traced back to the Sith Lords. At, at least uh at the very least, uh rising to the level of armed actual all-out war that is entirely beginning in middle and end created by Palpatine. Mm -hmm. And then I think the contrast to that is, you know, this wonderful uh, question uh, from Justin starts with just the straightforward question of why do you think Palpatine didn't control both sides of Empire Rebellion? And I think the answer is because he couldn't, right? (laughs) I think that's the point of the rebellion is Palpatine thinks he won, right? Yeah. He thinks he can now control everything and no matter how hard he tries, he can't. That's what the rebellion is saying is like, you can't control everything. You can't, you've tried and you've done a great job of boxing us in and limiting our resources, uh, but you can't control everything and we're here to prove it. You know, they're, yeah. they're the antithesis of his ability to control everything. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. The point, the spirituality, uh, the spiritual nature, I should say, this, the heart of the rebellion. 
Yeah, mm. yeah. And, and then I think we've got some interesting seeds of storytelling. There might be even some more details. That yeah. We've read so many stories, and Ken, over these last few years. Um, I do think they're like the seeds of this story that I think at some points Palpatine did, was was probably like, hey, I agree with Justin Jacobson. Uh, <laughs> Palpatine <laughs> says to himself, I should control both sides. Um, you know, in Rogue One, I love Saw Gerrera's paranoia. Right. Yes. Of exactly yeah. this, that Palpatine is trying to insert spies into the rebellion and is trying to fracture it and control it. And maybe if Palpatine did, you know, install, get rid of Saw, get rid of Mon Mothma, you know, get rid of Jan Dodonna, get rid of Leia and, you know, place in his own figureheads, maybe he could have made the rebellion valuable to him in some way, you know, and that's what that mm-hmm. paranoia that Saw has going on. You know, and I'd love to see a more detailed story of that where Palpatine is like, yeah, no, I can do it. I can. The, yeah. The, this rebellion's risen up against me. It's it's weak and I'll crush it eventually. But yeah, first, I'll break it down uh, mm-hmm. from the inside. And he clearly doesn't succeed in that. That's part of what Rogue One is. Right. The uh, the danger of the Republic, the the alliance coming apart. And it doesn't. Yeah. No, oh, this is this is great stuff. I, 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 yeah, I'm trying to remember if there's any specific examples. Uh, I can't pull them either in my brain. But the the. Um, Tivik, Tivik, let's not forget one of the reasons he's kind of, you know, and and we know what ends up happening happening to him uh, with his broken arm. He can't climb out. And so Cassian's got to do what he's got to do. But uh, like he's saying, you know, there's spies everywhere. There's spies everywhere. Uh, even Willie, this character, Willie in, in uh, Andor, uh, flying mm. in town with, with Luthan. He's kind of like, yeah, you got to be careful who you talk to these days. Like it, it, it's kind of the the thing that's going on and and i um it's not lost on me that that that, that could mean that there was attempts along the way uh to to do this here so um i, I i'm drawn in by that potential storytelling this is very real go into the real world one of my former bosses um had a long career in the lapd and he was in the lapd in the 60s i mean early 60s in the late 60s uh, when he was starting out and one of his assignments was to infiltrate the hippies which <laughs> yes it some of the stories and he showed me some pictures too some of the story it deserves to be a netflix dark comedy oh. i mean because it, it, it's there's you know serious nature to it but i mean, I mean he showed the picture and like it's sweetheart of an a, a older boss of mine but you could just tell it wasn't gonna work <laughs> it was it was uh. it was buscemi going hello fellow kids like it, it was it was so Comical, and so I, I think of the that in terms of of Palpatine, or you know, someone. Maybe it's not even from Palpatine's orders, but sh- someone in the Empire would be like, "There's pockets of fomenting out there. We got to go foment. <laughs> we got to go with them." And it it, it is just I, it just couldn't work to me. Uh, it, and to throw it to another pop culture example, Young Guns. Yes, one of the greatest movies of all time. Jay McCloskey McCloskey is is sent to infiltrate the regulators, and that don't work. Because he doesn't have the heart, right? It's not mm. it shows. He doesn't have a so so the characters in this story that Justin and we are putting together here, we're co-creating this one. Um, they just wouldn't have the hearts of rebels, and it would show, and it would get they'd get caught. It just wouldn't work. Oh man, that, that I, I'm sure that is a dark and fascinating story of infiltrating the hippies. I so thought of the how do you do. How do you do, fellow Janice Joplin fans? Like it's, yeah. It's everything that you think it is. It's everything that you think it is, these pictures. And it would just be hilarious. Hello, fellow rebels. Are we rebelling today? Yeah, but it really does get into that, like, that idea of, of 
what is genuine, right? Like a lot mm -hmm. of what the empire is working on is fear, paranoia, propaganda, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the, the, the utter stiffness and, and lack of authenticity. Um, like we were even seeing from some of the baddies in, in Andor, Cyril Karn, right? He can't have a sincere interaction even with his yeah. own troops, right? There's that lack of, of sincerity, right? And you got to yeah. think like that Mothma and uh, hyper intuitive Leia can tell who's real, who's here for real, and who is just like, <laughs> how do you do, fellow disenfranchised galactic citizens? Yeah, like, yes, yes. You could sense it, right? Um, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, and, and, and you know, we're having some fun. I mean, to laugh at some of the serious nature of this stuff, especially in our real world. But yeah, mm -hmm. it, it, again, but even go to the, 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 um, the Young Guns examples, the Lincoln County War, it's Tunstall and McSween versus the Murphy Dolan gang. And so the Murphy Dolan gang, since it's guy in and, and you buy it, everyone, Billy the Kid, and I'm not saying Billy's a hero or a clean cut hero at all, but it's a fascinating scene because it's like, you know, I remember being like, no, he's good. How do you trust him? Oh, yeah, no, you can't. And and it shows. It just shows. And and there's some humor in Palpatine and his minions being like, no, no, we're so good at this. We'll infiltrate him. And they can't because it ain't in your heart, man. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I love that. That's fascinating. But I, I apologize if there is a kind of a bigger story somewhere that I am uh, forgetting. Yeah. But I would love to see like uh, more of, you know, Palpatine sending an ISB officer undercover to infiltrate a cell. And, you know, maybe maybe they succeed in breaking up a specific cell or that kind of thing. It'd be mm -hmm. an interesting story. I, I think my final thought on this is one of the things that I really love about the arc of of Palpatine is, you know, the wanting to kind of be able to take the mask off and he. He, do, he can a little bit by the time he calls it an empire, right? Eh, a little bit of taking the mask off. But then once the Death Star is built, uh, wipe out the Senate, take the mask off a little bit more. And by the time you get to Rise of Skywalker, he's just broadcasting the entire galaxy. I am a Sith. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so th within that that growth uh, of, of him wanting to be fully, you know, revealing himself, these different conflicts have different impacts. And the Clone Wars benefited him, right? I think that the rebellion slows him down, right? It He can't broadcast it too much because it makes him look weak, right? Yes. Uh, and it yeah. distracts him, like you were saying. This is, you know, some great storytelling that is, you know, embedded in a book here, a comic book there, uh, you know, implied by Rise of Skywalker that uh, the that it distracts him from his goals of expansion. He wants to be like, great, <laughs> I'm the empire of everything known. Now I want to explore more of the dark side secrets. I want to figure out how to live forever. I know there's something else out there in the unknown regions even more, and I want to conquer that, and I want to find more and more <laughs> realities and galaxies to conquer. Uh, but there's this little piddling, annoying rebellion and a couple Jedis mm. hang, Jedi hanging on, and, and bleh, I'll wipe them out. I'll, I'll wipe them out. They're nothing, right? I, I just don't think he ever kind of gives them the credit for what they are. A hundred percent. I really believe that. Absolutely. Even to the point where, you know, they destroy the first Death Star. Let's build another one. Make it bigger. I, I think that tracks what the, the spirit of uh, whatever that's going around. Yeah. Yeah. So I think he he's he I think Luke is right. His overconfidence is his weakness is the and uh, my answer mm -hmm. to Justin's question. And then at the end of the day, when he does see that the rebellion is uh, maybe even a little bit of a threat, uh, he has to approach it a different way because he can't control them. If he succeeded, a second rebellion, yeah. <laughs> rebelling against the rebellion he took over, would be born. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Great question. Thank you very much, Justin. Uh, we learned a lot about Star Wars and <laughs> uh, real-life infiltration <laughs> attempts. Uh, 
We are going to move on to our final question. This comes to us from uh, Bruno Carilio. Uh, thank you, Bruno, uh, for sending the pronunciation. I uh, hope I got close. Uh, Bruno says, hi, Joseph Ken and Jennifer. Greetings from Zurich, Switzerland. I'm very curious to know what you consider to be the craziest thing you ever did for Star Wars. I know it's quite a broad question, but it occurred to me in the context of the 20th anniversary celebrations of Attack of the Clones. Back in May 2002, when I was 28 years old, I traveled from my native Brazil, where I lived at the time, to Miami to watch the movie in theaters during the opening weekend. The reason I took the quite drastic decision to catch an eight-hour flight to do so is that the movie would premiere in Brazil one month later. Uh, This same time lapse happened three years before, so I watched episode one pretty much spoiled in Rio de Janeiro. After all, the internet was already around, and people in general were less careful giving and receiving spoilers, not to mention the soundtrack debacle. Of course, I didn't want a repeat of that trauma. (laughs) So I spent four days in Miami, watched the movie three times, and filled two bags with action figures before heading back home, where, of course, I watched Attack of the Clones five more times with friends and family, including at the local premiere. I still affectionately refer to this 2002 adventure as the Miami Extravaganza. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for the podcast. It's the best one around and hope to see you in London next April for celebration. We hope to see you well as well, Bruno. This is phenomenal. This is a great story. Uh, Ken, any reactions just to this story? Well, Bruno, you know, none of this is crazy to to kind of quote John Lennon from Magical Mystery Tour. It's the trip of a lifetime. This is amazing. Uh, this is, uh, you know, uh, we are we are uh, blessed to just have, uh, you know, Star Wars playing a, a month earlier than you. And we take it for granted. You prove that uh, the love of Star Wars is not crazy. It's in your heart and it uh, drives you to do wonderful, powerful things. So what an experience. Yeah, I applaud, it- I applaud that. Yeah, this is just so great. It is it is so uh, so much more exciting than my viewings of Attack of the Clones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is so fantastic, but the spirit of love and excitement for that film is uh, so relatable to me. I've been enjoying the 20-year anniversary and just celebrating that movie that I, I really like, have such fond memories uh, of the year 2002. is a really great and interesting year in my life. Uh, it... <laughs> The image of <laughs> packing as many bags as possible with action figures, um, that that resonates with me, too. So this is one of those great stories where uh, this is far more exciting uh, in, in the actual details. But the spirit of it, the heart of it is so relatable to me. So yeah. thank you, Bruno. Absolutely love it. Uh, let's get to the question then uh, that, that motivated this wonderful story about kind of the wildest things that you have done for Star Wars. I, I try to dig deep. I'll tell you, I try to, and I try to say, what, what haven't I talked about on Force Center before, but we've been broadcasting so long, Joseph. I think we've shared most of our stories, but <laughs> a lot of new people popping on here, uh, thanks to some like Kenobi reviews and the Andor reviews. So I still think the craziest thing I did, because it could have cost me, uh, is, is getting heat exhaustion while waiting for Phantom Menace tickets. Um, <laughs> And this is the spring of 99 now and uh, me by myself uh, waiting. I think it was I buying about six tickets for the first show. And I think there's a 10 a.m. show and I got the tickets now. I found the tickets a couple of months ago in my Phantom Menace novel. What a what a joy. What a find. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was for me and my friends and I went by myself and I was working the the 
the security job at the time, and it was at the Winneka Theaters, the Pacific Theaters 20. It's a big theater in the area at the time. Woo, it was the top of the line one. And it was a block over from my work. So I got off at 3 a.m., rushed over, put a jacket, a uh, hoodie over my uniform. No sense, still young and dumb in L.A. on my own. No sense to buy food or water at 7-Eleven or an AM, PM on the way over. Just rushed <laughs> over, sat on concrete with strangers, uh, listening to them predict what was going to be in the movie. I, I just sat quietly. And then the sun comes up on the San Fernando Valley. And man, I was burnt to a crisp. I was seeing things. And the roommates showed up to not wait in line with me, but to give me Gatorade and a donut, which I don't think helped. I think counteracted <laughs> hydration I was receiving. And then I bought the tickets for them. And uh, we all went. went. And, and I don't, you know, I don't, I should have said, could someone take my place? Send me home. Different times. Uh, this is also why I have uh, no problem, despite some frustrations with it, of waiting in a digital queue for uh, tickets or movie tickets or anything like that. Uh, but at the same time, it was fun. And sometimes clearly it's something I remember for what I can, what was not fuzzy and hazy and like some sort of hallucination. Uh, but I look back and go, I don't know. I, I, Star Wars costing your health. Be careful. Yeah. Oh, man, that is great. And, you know, it's sometimes fun to like put human attitudes on the sun, right? Like, yes. If the sun is like a predator, like hungry to burn foolish humans, right? The mm -hmm. the sun baking down on the San Fernando Valley going, ah, nerds are waiting outside for Star Wars. Young, foolish ones. Yeah. Yeah. A meal. <laughs> that is a, that's a great image. Gatorade and a donut. That is, that's what you need to keep going. Uh, yeah. Right. I'll never, Joel, Casey, thank you, but also why? <laughs> the story of many of our youth uh, thank you but why? why uh yeah i was trying to think through uh some of the adventures uh that i've had um there's there was one close call that i really wish i did um when i was uh performing on uh jonathan colton's uh joko cruise in the early years of that um uh entertainment uh genre nerd music comedy uh floating festival uh, there was one stop. I can't remember which uh, island it was. I think it was Grand Cayman Island. And um, this was when Phantom Menace was out mm -hmm. in 3D. Um, oh. And we we're on this, you know, amazing, beautiful island. And I was like, you know what? Uh, everybody on the boat is just going to be shocked if I get back from this excursion. And they're like, did you go snorkeling? Did you do this? I'm like, I saw the Phantom Menace in 3D. <laughs> uh, but there was some sort of crime scene, so I couldn't. Uh, oh. So that was almost uh, the most exciting. I guess if I tried to cross the, you know, crime tape in a country I'm not from. Um, <laughs> not good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've told the story before, too, of being on tour when the Force Awakens uh, figures uh, came out and mm -hmm. stopping at a hotel uh, right across from Toys R Us. And I had a, a choice between shower and getting an action figure in. Uh, I got oh. Kylo Ren. <laughs> yeah, and not clean. Uh, but the one I wanted to share, I think I have talked about it uh, before, but it, it, a lot of these stories are about what would you do to, you know, to watch Star Wars, to get Star Wars. And this is one that was just sort of like, in retrospect, a lot of physical danger just because I like Star Wars, right? Um, mm -hmm. And this is in uh, 2002. Uh, Attack of the Clones comes out. Uh, you know, obviously there's a lot of criticisms. I, I agreed with some of the criticisms. I made some jokes about uh, Anakin's uh, less than uh, smooth transitions to uh, <laughs> confessing his attraction yeah. to Padme. Uh, I made all those jokes. Um, <laughs> but... I just was in love with this uh, this movie, maybe even more than I than I even 
you know, vocalize or, or let myself understand how much I, I deeply love this movie and just wanted to celebrate it. And it was a, it's a really busy summer. I had a, a ton going on. Uh, but at the time, uh, friends did uh, these uh, really wild performances uh, at the masquerade at the local convention uh, that I still go to Convergence in Minneapolis. And, you know, the masquerades, a lot of times the entries are just you made an amazing costume and you, you come out and you, you do some voguing or maybe there's a line of dialogue piped in and, and you, you say it like, you know, uh, and my friends were obsessed with like, no. Uh, the masquerade has to be like a fully choreographed five minute scene uh, with the audio going and you have to mime exactly the words correctly and build the sets. And uh, they had done this elaborate recreation of a fight scene in the matrix a couple of years before with like the trick sets. So like when the Neo punched, you know, uh, the column, they had it rigged for somebody else off, off stage, to like pull a lever and the part of it exploded. And like, it, it was that sort of like, we're going to make this bigger than it should be for the audacity of it. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and a, a part of their shtick was they had an inflatable uh, T-Rex and they cast the inflatable T-Rex as a character from the scene they were trying to recreate. Uh, so the, the Yoda, Yoda Dooku fight happens. They want to cast their inflatable dinosaur, uh, you know, that's controlled by somebody wearing all black behind them as Yoda. And th- they want him to fight Dooku. And they're like, mm, but the, the scale doesn't work. The dinosaur is pretty tall. So my friend comes to me and he's like, I know you got a busy summer. You don't have that much rehearsal time, but we'd have to rehearse. We want you to play the top half of Dooku. <laughs> you will ride on my shoulders uh, and uh, we'll, we'll build a Dooku cloak that, you know, starts on your shoulders and then gets really big to cover my entire body. Uh, and then have a, a lightsaber fight with an inflatable T-Rex. Um, and in retrospect, it was so dangerous, uh, cause we did this in a, in a, on, on a, on a little stage, a little wobbly convention stage. Um, I don't think that the lower half of Dooku, my, my friend Dooku, uh, the lower half, um, I don't think he could see. But he was doing the footwork and like turns and all this stuff. Uh, and, you know, yeah, it, it was a great experience. The performance uh, went off well. It was a ton of fun to get to be Dooku and, you know, try to get the timing exactly right. Still, when I watch Attack of the Clones, I'm like, yep, yep. The lightning goes before he finishes the line. Right, right, yeah. right. Um, yeah. That was a great experience. And just in retrospect, a deep physical risk to my own body just because yeah. I love that movie. See, this is Bruno's is a great question. This is what you do for Star Wars. You, you risk your life on on the on the shoulders of a friend or buying <laughs> tickets for friends in in the hot San Fernando sun. This is what it is. Yep, uh, you defy the sun, you defy gravity. <laughs> All in love of Star Wars. That is such a great uh, story and such a great uh, question. Thank you so much, uh, Bruno. Uh, thank you also to Justin, Ray, and Flalilis. Uh, those are our questions. Uh, we want to keep uh, letting you know that if you want to submit a Power of the Light Side segment, you certainly can. This is just a segment where we ask people to share something they love about Star Wars. If you're a patron on Patreon, we have a post putting out uh, a call for those. So if you'd like to submit one, you are certainly welcome to. 
But with that, Ken, I think that is about it. So you want to let people know where they can find us. Always fun to answer your questions. You can reach out to us on Twitter at Force Center Pod. We are on Instagram and YouTube as well. Live Q&A coming up here at the end of the month. Subscribe so you don't miss it. Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. We're available on Acast, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and more. Just search. You'll find us. Merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. And you can support us directly at patreon.com slash Force Center. Follow me at Cadnap. Go to my website, cadnapsock.com. Uh, we uh, can finally put, oh, I think, all the dates down. Uh, going to uh, be on the road doing some comedy with Mark Ellis as he prepares for his next one-hour comedy special taping, which is in December, December 3rd in L.A. But before that, we're going to be heading to New York City, October 6th and 7th. We'll be in La Jolla at the comedy store down there, 14th through 16th, and up in Seattle at the Crocodile Great Club up there on the 28th of October. So information on my website and that uh, that's just now. Could be more. We'll see. So follow us uh, there and see some comedy. Joseph, where can they find you? Yeah, you can find me on all the social media. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw and you can find links to all my other comedy adventures on my website, josephscrimshaw.com. In particular, if you're in Portland, Oregon and you like cosmic horror, uh, I will be attending the HP Lovecraft Film Festival. I have a short film in the festival. I'll also be doing uh, some uh, comedy bits there as well. Not a straightforward uh, stand-up set or anything like that, but some other uh, fun surprises coming uh, once that whole schedule gets official published i'll put it out on my social media uh also the other thing i'm promoting here is that uh i would love to get some more subscribers uh on youtube and some more views uh so that i can get it back to being monetized i've got some more stuff coming i've got some stuff uh in particular coming soon that i think will be of interest to force center fans Mm -hmm. trying to get better about teasing and hype so keep your eyes out on youtube force center listeners for something i think you in particular will enjoy uh that is it for now for myself for ken for the uh tuka cat and porg that are soon going to be living in our homes this has been force center Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more 
and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.